0: The Sunday Sermons Podcast. Uh, you might have noticed on the cover of the uh, bulletin and in the Bible study guide that you were all given. You have them digitally if you're at home. But the title today is paradigm. If you've never seen that word before, it looks like paradigm. <laughs> but paradigm is your world view. It's how you see the world. It, it's it's not just what's happening. It's how you think about it. What you believe about it. How that matters to you or does not for example just real quick i'd like to see a show of hands and could we get the lights back on so i can see everybody's faces that would be amazing so show of hands how many were have watched football this week okay a lot of you how many have not okay there's a worldview shift. If you're the football people, I guarantee you know exactly who's playing and you're keeping track of other games as well, not just the one you're watching. It's a big deal. And everybody else is going, how is this possibly a big deal? That's because, not, not because those games aren't happening or those, that's not a fact, but we interact with it differently. Does that make sense so far? Or how about this? Let's say that, uh, how many hunt? Okay, good. That's awesome. I like meat. But here's the thing, a lot of times, all the hunters and fishers, they know exactly when hunting fishing is, when, when hunting and fishing seasons are, they're all there. Everybody else is just sleeping in like they normally do going about their business. It's a worldview thing. It's what you're into, it's what you're there. And as Christians, we have to see the world differently than the rest of the world does. There are five facts, five things that are true that the rest of the world doesn't get how important it is, but we do. And there's some cool symbols that come from a company called King's Witness. They don't give me any money to share these with you. They're just a simple way to share the gospel. I'd like to share it with you this morning. And kids that are keeping notes in your special bulletin, this is where you hear this the first time. Ready? It means he came, he died, he arose, he ascended, and he's coming back. I'd like everybody, whether you're a kid or an adult or everybody, if you'd at least do five fingers with me. Let's say this out loud together. Ready? He came he died, he arose, he ascended, he's coming back. And for Christians, that's what matters the most. That's it. That's what history, that's what life, that's what everything's about. We live between the space of those last two arrows where he ascended and sent us into the world to make disciples and get things ready and get ourselves ready. And when he comes back, That's what life looks like. And that's how all of these candles that represent the different themes that we've walked through over the last several weeks, that's why they matter so much. Because they represent what only Jesus Christ gave us. Real hope. Not just wishful thinking, but real hope. For example, when I go home every day, I have hope that my dog is going to be happy to see me. And guess what? Every single day. She goes, Bonkers. She shakes her whole body. She barks. She wiggles. She, it's, it's just crazy. She's nuts. And I know that even if my family aren't even there, if they're in a bad mood or whatever else, my dog is going to go ballistic. I have real hope. And guess what? Every single day, my hope comes true. That's the kind of hope that we have in Jesus. It's not a... It's a reasonable hope. We've seen what he's done so far. He came. He died. He arose for crying out loud. He ascended... So we know that that fifth one's going to happen. That's a reasonable hope. And, And all of these work out like that. Peace is not just a feeling. Peace is not just something we feel. It's something we have with him and with each other that only Jesus could provide. Joy is not just a feeling. Joy is where we choose to see what's still good out in the world, what's still good in us, what's still good about life in general, no matter what. And love... Let's see if you remember this from last time. We had learned some motions just last week and a bunch of you were here, okay? I'm just gonna do it with no rehearsal and just see who remembers. Kids especially, where are the kids at? All the kids, raise your hand. Okay, there's a bunch of them. Okay, here we go, ready? Because God loved us, we choose to love God, we choose to love others, we choose to trust God. Okay, that was pretty good. Let's try that one more time. Everybody knows it now, it's pretty easy. Here we go. Because God loved us, We choose to love God, we choose to love others, we choose to trust God. And that is always a choice. That's something that the rest of the world just doesn't get sometimes. We don't get sometimes because we think it's just something that happens. You just naturally love some people more. You just naturally get along with some people more. You just naturally can't help loving Jesus. You have to choose those things. You just, some people just naturally trust more. I don't think so. I think they do it on purpose. It's like we put on some glasses. Don't blame me. I got those from Emmeline. I I was trying to get some that were a little better than this. But here's the thing. When you put on a different kind of glasses than everybody else wears, and these are definitely different. You look different to the rest of the world. People laugh. People point. People go, what in the world? Just like you're doing to me right now. But at the same time, everything else looks different to you. Because you're seeing everything through these lenses that you didn't have before. And that's what Jesus gives us. He gives us a different way to look at life. Every single problem, every single blessing, every single part of history, every single part of our present... The little bit that we know about our future, all of that we see through different eyes. But we have to dare to do that. I'd like you to say that with me. Uh, You're going to put on imaginary glasses this time. Here's the motions. There's motions again this time. Kids, show them how to do this. And adults, you guys are doing great. This is awesome. We dare to see clearly. One more time. Everybody say it out loud. We dare to see clearly. That is where we see life through this lens that Jesus gave us. Where he said, look, I have shown you how love looks. I have shown you that I keep my promises even when it doesn't look like I possibly could. I have shown you, I've shown you what it looks like to love others. I expect you to do that. I expect you to choose to do that. I expect you to see the lens through what I have presented to you. In Hebrews it says this, Therefore... Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. In other words, since we know all this has happened, because we know that Jesus did come and die. Actually, let's say that one more time together. Ready? He came, he died, he arose he ascended, he's coming back. Because we know that, because we know we live between those last two arrows, that's what drives every part of our life. That's what actually makes it all matter. And and the guy who wrote Hebrews is telling us, therefore, since we know that's true, and he goes on, since we know that's true, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith, I'm sorry, with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And just like we looked at last week where we did the motions that we just did right now. We choose to love God. We choose to love Oh, that was weak. Let's try this one more time. We choose to love God. We choose to love others. Those always go together. That's how it is throughout God's story. It hangs on banners behind us all the time because Jesus himself said the most important thing is love God. And then the second important thing that always goes with it is love others. Those always go together. And it happens here again in this passage. He says, Because we know this is true. We need to be confident as we approach Jesus. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. See, we all see the same facts. We all see the same wars problems and people not getting along we see all the shortages and all the super rich and all that all the things that people fight about right now we all see the exact same things but we're looking through different glasses or at least we can dare to be looking through different glasses And Jesus told us that in the last days, there would be wars and rumors of wars and a whole bunch of other things that are happening right now. We as Christians, we see the same things. We're not denying that to experience joy and love and peace and all that at the same time. But here's what we see. We're getting closer to that final arrow. It's getting close. The day is approaching. The day that he's coming back is getting closer doesn't make today any easier, but it makes us have a lot more hope. Are you, are you with me? Is this connecting? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many years actually before Jesus was even born, some very famous people in the Bible named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced this because God has always operated like this. He, he sometimes does big miracles to save us from problems, But most often, he just helps us through them. He joins us in them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were exiles in a country called Babylon. They had been basically kidnapped from their home. Jerusalem and all the places they had grown up in were destroyed. Everything was taken from them. They were basically slaves. And yet, because they kept following God, because them and their friend Daniel kept choosing God whenever they had a chance to, they actually had a pretty good life in Babylon. By the time we get to the story that we're looking at today that I think some of you have probably heard before, they were actually help run the country. They were part of the government. They were doing pretty well. And most of the time, every chance they could, they did what Jeremiah, the prophet, had told them, that when you go to Babylon, you're going to be there 70 years, God already said. So try to make Babylon better. Have a good life. Don't just mope around all the time. Try to do your best. And so they did. But whenever it came to a spot where they had to choose Babylon or God, they chose God. Whenever it came to a spot where it was going to choose something that dramatic, they always chose God. This is one of those spots. King Nebuchadnezzar created this huge statue and demanded that everybody had to worship it. And again, you've probably heard me say this before if you're part of our congregation because I love to bring it back out. The core idea of worship in the scripture is not singing or dancing or any of the things that we sometimes think about when we say that word. As much as I love the singing part, especially. Some of you have seen me dance, it's not fun. But here's what I know. Worship in the scripture is all about full submission. It's all about putting your trust in someone. It's all about like pledging allegiance to a king. That's what the core idea is. And so he's not so much telling them to sing and dance to the statue as whenever you hear this music play, everybody bow down. Everybody say yes sir. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego didn't protest, they didn't make signs, they didn't scream, they didn't yell. But they also didn't do it. Somebody tattled on. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, You will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. This is a pretty obvious factual situation. There's a massive furnace burning right there. So hot that people are almost getting killed just by getting close to it. How many have ever heard this story before? That's what I thought. So you know what's about to happen. When they throw them in, the people who threw them in got burnt alive. It's that hot. They weren't blind. They weren't seeing, they weren't refusing to see the real situation. They were wearing different glasses. They had dared to see clearly. They knew that even if they did die that day, for the rest of eternity, it was going to be a better deal for them than if they lived a couple more years in Babylon. And they also had seen God do some pretty amazing things already right there in Babylon just for them and their friend Daniel. And so they said, hey, you know what? We're all right. I love their actual words. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Because even in the moment that they were pretty sure they were either going to see a miracle or they were going to die, and they weren't 100% sure which one was which, they had hope. They had peace, they had joy, they had love. And sure enough, God was present in that situation. That fourth person, the Bible doesn't make clear who that was. Some people believe it's an angel, some think it's Jesus himself. All it says is they saw somebody else in there and the Babylonians were trying to guess who they thought it was and they said it looked like somebody who was a God. We know who it was in one way or another. God was present with them in that moment. There weren't just three people in there. There were four. See, when we see clearly, we do the second thing. And and, and for this one, the motion is like this. It looks like you're running. Okay? It, It was almost, almost like this because I thought about Superman and all that kind of stuff. But that's not acting bravely. That's just posing. There's a huge difference. If you act bravely, you actually do something. So act bravely is like this. You're running right into whatever God just called you into. Okay? So let's say this together. We dare to act bravely. See, courage means doing the right thing no matter what. And by doing, I mean literally doing. You're still scared, but you refuse to let your fear control the situation. You refuse to let your fear keep you from experiencing what God is calling you to do or what's really going on or what could really go on if you dare to act bravely. Our our three friends in that fiery furnace, they experienced this. I I guarantee you they were afraid. There's no way they could be human beings and not be terrified in that moment. And, And fire is hot Fire is painful. Fire is scary. That's not a way that I would want to die. But they refused to let their fear control them. They dared to do what they knew needed to be done. They dared, let me put it this way, they dared to live out the story that they would like to tell. I don't know about you, but here's just a life hack for you that helps me a lot. Hard situations especially and sometimes just a regular day. What would I like to be able to honestly say I did today? What would I love to be able to say that I did at the end of this week or this hard? How would I love to have handled this stressful situation? What would I like the honest, true story to have been? So what would that take right now? Okay, I'll do that. Just throwing that out. I'm just as afraid, just as stressed, the whole thing. But I do what I believe the story needs to be. And then it becomes the true story. I encourage you to try that every chance you get. Another one of my favorite people in the whole Bible is a guy named Barnabas. Can everybody say his name with me? Barnabas. Barnabas was known as somebody who encouraged people and he was brave in so many different ways. We actually would not have our faith today if it wasn't for Barnabas. People don't realize that. But the first time that you meet Barnabas... He's just one of the earliest church there in Jerusalem and Acts that joined together and they would give and give so that nobody was in need around them. Anybody who had needs, they took care of them. And he gave so much, so bravely, so courageously, that he had to sell more stuff so he could give more. And so he did. He's one of the first people who came up with that idea. He actually sold some stuff so he could help the poor more. That was pretty brave. But then it got even better. There was this guy named Saul who was persecuting the church, throwing people into prison, watching while other people killed them. And as, as he's traveling around, he actually ends up meeting Jesus and becoming this guy named Paul. Anybody ever heard of Paul? Well, guess what? When Paul first showed up, nobody was happy about it. Nobody was excited about it. But Barnabas gave him a chance. Barnabas listened. Barnabas hung out with him a little bit. And Barnabas stood up for Paul and said, hey, listen, me and Paul are going to be a team. If you trust me, l- let me work with this guy. I don't know if you realize it or not, but most of what I just read to you straight out of the Bible was written by Paul. All the first churches outside of Jerusalem got planted by Paul and Barnabas. And then it started spreading out other teams. And his whole life is like that. I don't have time to tell you his whole life, but every time you see this guy, he's acting bravely. And it's scary. It's, he's, he might lose his own reputation. He, might, he doesn't know what's going to happen next, but he's willing to risk it because he wears different glasses than most people wear. He dares to see clearly. He dares to act bravely. He dares to trust God. Let's say this. We dare to trust God. Now, I told you last week, I'd tell you this week why this is the motion. You're going to see it in just a second. But first, let's look at Scripture one more time. Because trusting God, just like acting bravely, means you actually do something. It's not just something you think or feel or believe. It's something that's real. In the Old Testament, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, those feelings that you have that seem to conflict with God, and so you say, hey, maybe God's not right about this one. Maybe it's me. Maybe you should trust God instead of yourself. Maybe I should. It really makes a lot more sense. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Last week, we talked about Jesus' stepbrother, James who finally learned to see clearly toward the end of his life. And he told us this in the book that he wrote in the Bible. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is death. See, if you see clearly, you have to. It's just part of the equation. You end up acting bravely. You can't really separate those. James goes on. He says, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God, good even the demons believe that and shudder. Have you ever thought about that? You've probably heard that verse somewhere before, but that's a really deep idea. The demons don't have any problem believing there's a God. They know there's a God. <laughs> but they're terrified of the end. They know that final arrow is coming and they're scared to death. I told you I'd tell you what a trust. What that trust thing is. At at camp, we do this thing called a trust fall. What happens is somebody goes up on something high, and some other people have practiced this so they know what they're doing, and they do a very specific kind of motion, and they catch them. And the person on top has to completely trust those people and just do this motion and then fall completely stiff like a board. And what happens is if you spread out your body as and you spread out your weight as a board, then everybody shares that weight and it's easy to catch them. If you panic and you sit down, that goes really badly. If you go crazy and you jump over them, that goes even worse. But if you trust them, good things happen. I'm gonna show you exactly what this looks like. I trust these guys. You good with this one? All right. So this is what it means. In my heart, I've got to tell you, I'm feeling a little bit of fear. But at the same time, I've seen these. I've helped them catch people before. I've seen them do this. We've done this a bunch. Every single one of these guys has done this. can't. We know what we're doing. So I trust them. This is what trust looks like. You guys ready? Falling. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See those those five facts, those five facts that we all know about Jesus, we get just how important they are and so we put our trust in them. We put our life on the line. We put our body and our soul and our mind on the line. We put everything on the line for that because we know it's true. So what does that mean this morning? What do we do about it? Well, here at the end of 2023 and as we start 2024, this is a really good chance to pray two prayers to God. Both have to do with seeing clearly, acting bravely, and trusting Him. First one is, God, would you show me if there's something that I am holding back? And I'd like you to pray that with me here this morning. And if He tells you something... Great. And if he doesn't, that's okay. Try it again tomorrow. Because probably there's something in you, something in me, something in all of us that we maybe we don't even realize it because we need his help to see clearly. But maybe we're holding something back. We love God. We trust him. But there's something. mm, This one's still mine. Would you pray that with me right now? We're going to pray it right now. God... Would you please help us see clearly? Would you show each one of us if there's something that we're holding back? Help us to have the courage to hand that over to you. Help us to be brave and trust you enough to just give it to you. I pray in Jesus' name. The second question is maybe even more scary. We're going to ask God together, even this morning is there something that you want me to do that I'm not doing? Is there something that I know is a good idea, I know is something I've heard at church, I know I've had in a, felt like you were saying it in a very private moment, whatever, however you heard it, wherever you heard it, there's something that God wants you to do. Let's pray that prayer one more time. Father, once again, we ask you to help us see clearly. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will speak in our hearts and tell us if there's something that we need to do, something good that you want done that we haven't done yet. God, would you give us the the ability to see that so that we can choose to be brave and to trust you and to get it done. I pray in Jesus' name. Every single Sunday at the end of walking through God's word together, we always offer you a chance to make a public decision if you need to make one and a private decision if that's what's the most appropriate at this moment. Today is no exception. There's a lot of exceptions, a lot of differences today, but we're going to do that. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and we're going to once again commit our hearts to God. But I'm asking you this morning to keep praying those prayers we just prayed. Even while you sing, use the words to sing or stop singing and pray that prayer some more. If God is telling you to stop holding something back, this is your day to surrender that thing. And if God is telling you to do something, no matter how scary or weird that may look to anybody else or even you yourself, I'm begging you, when you can see it, when he shows it to you, act bravely. Trust him. Let's do those motions one more time and then let's stand and sing. Ready? We see clearly. We act bravely. We trust God. Let's do that right now.